0: Summer days and this nice wind and, and warmth and wanting to be playing and I think I could take a nap in a hammock. Man, I'm just <laughs> oh, that was beautiful. One, I think. <clears throat> this morning, scripture is in Matthew 17, and it's verse one through nine. And we'd looked at this a couple of weeks ago. We're going to look at it from a different perspective today. So, Matthew 17, starting in verse one. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brothers of James, and led them up to the the high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like sun, and his clothes became white as light. Just then, there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put up three shelters. Some versions say tents, some versions say altars. One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered him, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. And when the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said. Do not be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we call on the mighty name of Yahweh. We ask that you open our hearts to receive your word today. Give us clarity and understanding and guidance by the Holy Spirit. We ask all things in the holy name of your risen Son. Amen. So a few weeks ago, we looked at this scripture from the viewpoint of the disciples being so focused on the worldly task and duties. But let's take a deeper look into this. Let's take more of a look from partly a Jewish history. So the story of the Transfiguration gave Peter, James, and John, the glimpse of the eternal perspective to see Jesus in his true glory. Building on the confession that's found in Matthew 16, 16, the transfiguration of Jesus further advanced these three disciples by giving them such an understanding of the power of Jesus. I'm sure you've heard somebody say, there's power in the name of Jesus. If we truly believe there's power in the name, think of how much power stood before them on that day. So the imagery of the mountain as the setting for this transfiguration, it serves actually as a higher understanding of our faith for those who are in a proper perspective with the Messiah. You see, if we grow in our relationship with God, he reveals himself more and more to us. On a higher level, he takes us to that mountaintop where we're there with him alone. Jesus had just finished a discussion with his disciples. Now, they were aware of this upcoming suffering and death. He had talked to them about this, and they had an understanding to a degree that suffering and death would happen to them also. But I do believe they were still puzzled. You see, Jesus indicated at least some of the other times to them that they would not experience death before they saw him in his kingdom and in his power.
1: So since we know the rest of the
0: story, it's so easy for us today to fast forward, apply the understanding of the end of the story to scriptures, but let's not do that here just yet. You see, six days after making this statement, That some would see the kingdom, Jesus took his inner circle, his inner group, the three, Peter, James, and John, up to the mountain. They were amazed at what they saw. It was truly the glimpse of the kingdom before their own death. Now, the Old Testament was represented there by, by Moses and Elijah. The New Testament was represented by saints of the three disciples. The transfiguration was God-revealed between what had happened what is going to happen. Because that's where we find God, in today. We see him in yesterday. We have hope for him in tomorrow. But it's today that we encounter him. So if we're intentionally going to compare Moses in this passage to Jesus, it is to show how Jesus surpassed Moses as a prophet and as a leader. Remember, Moses went up to the mountain several times to meet God. His face shone with such a reflection of Yahweh's light. But here in this moment, Jesus is Yahweh's light. So now let's look at the inner circle. We have Peter, we have James, we have John. They were the inner circle of the twelve. They, together with Andrew, were the first four disciples called by Jesus. They're listed in... Through several different scriptures as being the first. You can find that in Matthew 10, Mark 3, Luke 6, and Acts 1. These three alone witnessed Jesus raising a girl from the dead. That's in Matthew 9. They accomplished this gathering in a very brave way when they accompanied Jesus at Gethsemane, Matthew 26. These three, along with Andrew, would question Jesus privately many times. You can see that in Mark 13 and Matthew 24. So the word transfiguration is a, is a passive form, and I'm not going to get into the Greek because y'all know how that gives me a headache, and now I'm in Hebrew, so that gives me a headache.
1: But it is a
0: passive form of the Greek verb, meaning to be transformed. And our English word is metamorphosis. We know from Scripture that Elijah didn't die. He was taken directly to heaven. You can find that in 2 Kings 2. In Deuteronomy 32 and 34, it states that Moses died but was buried by God. Think of the closeness and the care that God gives to that end of this journey. Both were prophets. Moses was a model for the future prophet. Elijah was the model for Jesus' forerunner. So the fact that Moses and Elijah were there talking with Jesus is a very important connection to those of the Jewish faith. See, everything in Jewish faith is confirmation when it connects back. It indicates familiarity. Familiar I can never say that word. It's familiar to them, <laughs> which further heightens Jesus' status in the eyes of his disciples. So although Peter wanted to build a tent, it wasn't for his protection. It wasn't for any of their protection. It was to worship. It was like a tabernacle. But the command he gave his disciples that God gave was: listen to him. Moses himself commanded God's people to, to heed the prophet like me he said who would come you can find that in deuteronomy 18. this reminds us that jesus repeatedly challenges us scripture says he who has ears let him hear we have to be intentional about listening for god and not always telling god what we want in our prayers We need to be intentional about sitting on that mountaintop and listening. Now the disciples heard all of Jesus' teachings about the ears, hearing, and the the hearts were not open, though. There was so much more to be revealed to them. You can always tell when someone walks closely with the Lord because their heart is going to be open to God. And I know we're not here to judge, we're not here to say, you did good, you did bad, but actions speak straight from the heart. There's no judgment there. That's revealing. That's a revelation. And in the final verse for today, it's noted that the disciples fell face down to the ground terrified. There's a real element of worship here in this action. It was motivated by fear. This fear of the Lord is much more than just some vague form of respect. It's a real fear. The command to fear the Lord, Proverbs 1 and in 1 Peter 1, includes the idea of literal fear in the presence of such an amazing power and holiness of God that fear comes because it's such a level we've never experienced face-to-face like Moses did and like the disciples did. There were similar effects that can <laughs> be seen in Daniel 10. But Jesus instructed them to get up. Their faces looked at the scene which was now restored and it was back to the normal mountaintop. And It was only Jesus that stood before them. Jesus knew this moment could be misunderstood by others? How many times have you been in a situation where you're surrounded by people that fully believe in prayer, fully believe in laying hands, fully believe, but does it ever make you uncomfortable if one person's standing there that doesn't believe? When you're sitting there saying, we all collectively are coming together in the name of Jesus, standing on your promise, but knowing in the back of your head there's one person that doesn't quite understand. You see, they may see your actions and it can easily be misinterpreted because they haven't been to that mountaintop maybe as often or yet like you have. See, when we share, when we share a testimony of how God moves in our life, it's to honor God. When we stand together in a prayer circle, We're honoring God. We're standing on his promises because he can't lie. But when our testimony doesn't honor God, it distracts people from God. I wanted to revisit this passage because I believe that Jesus is trying to open so many hearts in our community. There's so many revelations he wants to give us. Back in February, my son calls me. He's like, hey mom, I didn't get a chance to run over here to Flores. Can you just run over here real quick? And I'm like, Valentine's Day, son's falling, i don't you, son. probably not gonna be nothing left. But yeah, we'll go, we'll go try to get over there. And I walk in, and I'm there's very little left. They're, they're busy, they're running back and forth, and I pick up something, I go to pay. And the lady said, Did you cut your hair? I just cut my hair that morning. I was like, Yes. She said, oh, I watch y'all online. I was like, well, hey girl, what's your name? You know, I'm like, I know you then. We never know who we're going to be around. And if we're not honoring God all the time, we are distracting from God. Jesus is trying to give us a deeper understanding. Do we listen? Jesus is trying to give us a glimpse of the kingdom. Do we give him time? He's trying to give us a closer relationship, and that's through us. Do we allow the walls to come down? Jesus doesn't want us to just hang out at the bottom of the mountain with all the others and not invest in this relationship. I believe Jesus is calling us to the mountaintops, but he's also calling us from the mountaintops to go out. To share to pray to testify but if we're only at the bottom of the mountain then that is where the enemy is going to keep us busy and we will never make it to the mountaintop we will stay part of this world if you don't find yourself constantly stepping out of your comfort zone and then looking to see who's beside you in that zone Then you're not worried about Jesus speaking into your life. My Jesus walks on water. I wanna be Peter. I wanna have so much faith that I'm like, I got peace. That means you're God. I'm coming after you. And I wanna keep my eyes on Him. And I wanna jump out of that boat. And I wanna experience every crashing wave that's gonna add to my testimony. It's not gonna be easy. I'm not saying it's gonna be fun. But in the end, I want to hear, well done, faithful servant. I want to have that mustard seed in my pocket. And anytime the enemy says anything, I want to show it to him. I want to put it right in his face. Say, not today, Satan. My Jesus has more for me. There's nothing you can give to me that will satisfy me with a peace like he does. You see, kingdom citizens must maintain a vision of God's glory his identity, his power, and heed his teachings. If we're not doing this intentionally, we are dishonoring God. I had debated about doing communion today, and I didn't pull the elements out. And the reason I didn't pull the elements out is because I think sometimes we get so locked into the normal routine, just the normal. I'm gonna go up, people are gonna see me have communion, I'll look like I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. It's not about us seeing anybody do anything. It's about the heart. So what I would like to do at this point, and one, I'm throwing your curveball, but I know you got magic fingers what I would like to do is open the prayer rails again for a time of confession of the heart. You see, because when it is communion time, we remember the disciples being in the upper room with Jesus. He was preparing them to carry on after his crucifixion and his resurrection. Every day we go to church, we need to be preparing to carry on. Every day when we're in the word, we need to be preparing to carry on. Jesus told him to break bread often. Do it together. That's us coming together here. Even though we don't have elements, we're still here in the presence. He said, my body's broken for you. They didn't take him. They didn't force him. He knew what needed to be done he willingly went he gave himself as the atonement for our sins and I'll be honest every time I say the Lord's Prayer because I did a teaching about a child saying the the Lord's Prayer instead of forgive us our trespasses the child said forgive us our trash baskets because we pass trash against each other we do it all the time we just have different words that don't hurt so bad. But he gave himself to empty our trash baskets. That debt is so large that we can never repay it. And when he took the cup and he said, drink this, this is my blood poured out for you. His blood was to cleanse us. It was the blood that allowed us to now walk into the presence of God. God. Because before that, we were so wretched. And we still can step into that wretchedness that we couldn't even be in the presence of God. But He did that to restore us. So, as Wanda plays, I just want to open the prayer rails. I just want to do something a little different. It's nobody's business why you go to the prayer rails. Something on your heart, give it to God. Don't walk around with that burden. He didn't create us to be shackled to sins and burdens. He went to the cross for us to be free. So I invite you now. If it's something on your heart, if it's someone on your heart, maybe you're just going to say, God, use me. I want to step out of the boat. I invite you to come to the prayer rails. Baptism is a public confession. There's nothing wrong with this public, private confession. We're privately here. We're saying, God, move. Use me. That's been my prayer for the last month and a half. I want it to be yours, too. confess our sins and our hearts are burdened. We fall short in life every single day. God, we pray that you shine your light in all the dark areas of our lives. Help us to confess our hearts every day. Help us to make the amends we need. Help us to right our wrongs so that we don't trespass against each other or pass trash. Help us to walk on this narrow path that leads to you. God, all the unspoken prayers that you hear loudly. God, we trust in your promise and your word that you will never fail us and you will never send us to a place that you haven't already been or seen or prepared for us. Lord, help us keep our focus on you as we walk through this life. Help us be an example just as Christ was an example for us. We ask all things in the precious and holy name of your risen Son.